Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of April 2018. I got up Saturday morning, six inches of snow, and we're going on to May. And it's all because of global warming, you see. I I, got to keep reminding myself what's causing us to be so darn cold over six months of the year here now. Our masters tell us what to see and what to think about it, because we have to pay for it big time as time goes by. And we are slaves, and we truly are. Honestly, we're slaves in so many ways, so many ways. Layers and layers of systems managing us all. It's incredible. It's not a day goes by, I don't wonder about it. I look at old pictures from the past. And Scotland too, I've been going through old pictures of Scotland, different areas in Scotland and so on. And it's interesting, just to look at the people. They didn't have it easy. They never had it easy. It's a kind of BBC nonsense, basically, to look back in the past and think it was nostalgic and wonderful. It only was if you were awfully, awfully rich and a member of nobility. Because for the rest of the public, it was scrape and worry, just like it is today for a lot of people, scraping and worrying. and Because uh, you're never really at ease. If if you get a, a smooth period in some sense or other where at least you've got a job for a little while or some income for a little while, you, you've got these unknown masters that, that suddenly devalue your currency and the prices go shooting up, uh, inflation and deflation and all this kind of stuff, or else they're taking you to war and, and they jack up the prices and they cut back on your gasoline and all that. But I look back at these old pictures of real people in the late 1800s, for instance, in, in Scotland and England and different places and Ireland, and you, you'll still see them smiling here and there because that's what people have to get through. They've got humour and they've got each other, if they can get on together, uh, to get through the bad, bad times. But as far as some wonderful eternal fairy period or fairy time period of the past goes, it didn't exist except for the, the, the very wealthy. I used to look to see who was really, really into this whole idea in the Western world of reincarnation. I know the history of reincarnation, too, and how it came in, where it came from, and all the rest of it. And, and how it really took off, along with spiritism, or spiritualism, they called it at the time, about the time of the Boer War going into World War I. And that really, really caused so much shock amongst the public in Europe. Because so many of the, the pretty well a generation was slaughtered, and and the profits were never better for the banks, etc. But people were in absolute shock because often it was a breadwinner in, in those days of the household that was killed and leaving nothing but women and children everywhere without incomes. So there wasn't welfare back then. There was, it was a poor house, of course, and you were you could live maybe a few months before you died in the poor house. It was horrific for a lot of people, absolutely horrific. And so they went into the whole idea of, of hope, 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 reincarnation or spiritualism, so you could get in touch with your aunt, your, your your deceased, basically. Because it was a, a shock, shock, shock for the people. Terrible, terrible period it was. And they're getting over that in some place. And then in comes the Depression. Britain never got out of the Depression. They were in the Depression before before the Great Depression came along, paying for World War One, It was never a, a better time for the bankers in the U.S. at the time. 
It was all pre-arranged, the whole darn thing. So obvious when you see when the Federal Reserve came in and time uh, to, to get the income tax going as well to pay off money it would borrow from the big private banks. Uh, and just in time to get America in for the, for the end of World War I. But for the first three years, they just lent to all sides, big time, big time. Massive interest in war too. Because you'll you say, well, you don't know who's going to win or lose. So it's very, very high interest rates for every country. And as I say, Britain never got out of it in every way, financial and, and mentally <laughs> depressed. Everybody was depressed. And, and that's how the, the, the times really were for people. And then when, they, when, they, when you end up getting home again, believing you've won something, you're plunged into an, another great depression financially across the world by the same bankers that just plundered it and made a massive killing of it all. And then you don't get through uh, into a good time until you're, you're ready to hit World War II. Uh, just one thing after another. Then after World War Two, the countries like like Britain and you had uh, Ireland too to an extent nowadays, but they were they're already bringing in masses of immigrants which they didn't really need because they were cutting back on labour. You remember that the Industrial Revolution was really coming to an end to an extent. We still had industry, lots of industry, but it wasn't expanding, and mechanisation had cut back on the need for more and more people. So, much like today, of course, with uh, robotics, etc. So anyway, the, the most people never really get had it good. They didn't really have it good at all. Uh, but it's, it's nice to see the romanticised versions on the BBC. But as I say, when you look at the old pictures of, of people who existed, real, real live people, always think about that. Just like we take photographs today, you're, you're capturing a, an instant, a little moment in time. And you'll think it's important because you're in it, maybe, or someone you know is in it. But you've got to remember, too, the people you see from the past were just as real as you. And a fraction in, in their time of their, their lives were just the same as you, that may have little worries on the go, maybe big worries on the go, and uh, various things happening at the same time. But there were real people going through life in very unsettled and, and frightening times. And yet you still see the happiness they could, they could put forth and, and the kindness to each other, too, in lots of old photographs. And the reason I look at that too is because today it's the same nonsense that goes on. Eh? Reading the papers today from across the world and from the US and Middle East and so on, it's like a, a repetition, Groundhog Day, of all the same headlines you saw in, in the late 90s building up to 9-11 and, and the preparations of why we'd have to take all these countries out in the Middle East before 9-11 happened, it's the same headlines from the same countries expecting the US and Britain and France to do it all, you know. And literally, it's, it's just, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't think they even had to rewrite stories. This took them right out of what they did. Look back in the 90s, and it's incredible to compare the same headlines. Incredible. Uh, so boring, too, to realize yet that the, all this time, all this time, a good chunk of your life, there are forces getting you all ready for war, war, war to suit themselves, not for your countries at all. That's what's disgusting about it all. People are, are, are brought up in a myth that they have countries. A myth. Absolutely. A country, as far as the people who run in the world goes, is a useful tool. And it's more useful if the people are trained to believe it's theirs. And that they have rights in it. That, that's really, that's the whole con right there. Very simple. Very, very simple. 
countries were gone long ago. Long ago, when you were conquered long ago, and you didn't even know you were conquered long ago. That's the sad truth of it. I wonder, I often wonder, and, and I gave talks in this in the 90s, in fact, about, I had an idea, like the movie called Prophecy, I think it was. And it was uh, Christopher Walken, was a, 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 an archangel, it was cast down, blah, blah. But I think it was maybe the second or third one, they had the Satan figure, Lucifer figure, uh, standing on a massive pyramid of bodies. And it hit me even then, long ago, I thought that that's exactly what you, you picture. I picture the, the generations in time uh, of people going through with this evil creature on top. And layers upon layers of people, which are generations, never knowing, never ever knowing from birth to death what it was really all about, or the fact that there was powerful forces behind the manipulation of their lives, including the wars. They never knew. And, and the greatest crime of all is to steal your consciousness and disable your ability to be conscious with drugs and God knows what else. And incredible training, incredible propaganda to make you a docile slave. Given all the right things to fight for, you're, you think as you're getting as you're getting trained and all, but you're, you're actually being broken, broken with a lot of phony things to fight for. Because these, these things you're taught to fight for are meant to defragment society to make it easier to manage for the controllers. Quite amazing. Now, by the same token, of pitching your mind layer upon layer in a pyramid fashion, of generations, all dead people. As I say, who didn't know real truth of what was going on in their lifetimes from their leaders in their own nations or areas or wherever it happened to be, and also robbed them of the right to know by withholding information in all of its forms. Don't forget the information. You can get lots of information that's bogus. This fake news is nothing new, nothing new at all. It's like the Zimmerman telegram to get America into World War One, another fake thing too. Governments are awfully good at doing fake things. So, so are other special interest groups all, all the time to get what they want. And very powerful ones at that. So nothing's ever as it appears to be. But when you think that you're indoctrination today, and that's what you have today is an indoctrination, awfully good indoctrination as far as the, the leaked want you to, to be indoctrinated. It's a very good indoctrination with all the, the, the right things to hate and people to hate and groups to hate and, and uh, even colours to hate, etc. All from school and genders as well. Think about it. That's what school is about today. People don't think that's just the problem. When the evidence is there and you're thrown into it, they don't think. Because no one at school is ever going to tell you, be very careful what you're going to hear here in the school, because we're here to propagandize you and use you. They'll never tell you that. You never get a warning. So people who go into it naively as children <laughs> become very naive and angry adults, uh, like little programmed robots hating those that they're taught to hate. And without even asking the question, who taught me this? Why did they teach me this? And who benefits from it? There's a good article, actually, out on that very topic right now. 
by Paul Craig Roberts. And I don't always agree with everything he says because he's, I think he's all on board with the, with the financing of climate change and the whole bit and so on, which of course is a big ploy by the, the world controllers to manage our, our lives in a very intricate fashion from birth to death in every way, every possible way of existence and to be awfully profitable for them at the same time. The controllers are always, see, we're a herd. They make money off the herd. And since we create it all through work and labor and all the rest of it, there's more taxes they can take off us to, to give to their own corporations. There's many, many organizations today that are really corporations, but they seem like charities or, or, or social do-gooding organizations with uh, given the nod by government, like extensions of government. They're not government. So they don't even have to start some big business and with their startup money. Uh, our tax money pays for everything today. Look at the, the grants going for the electric car and all the rest of it. Massive, massive funding. These people are the real controllers of the world because uh, everything comes from us. Every, every f- uh, fraction of society and faction of society, and you do fracture the factions in society, you can get fund, funding for, from all sources, again from government, to, uh, to, to sort it all out from the mayhem. To, there's, there's whole careers they make off this, of, of fixing uh, all the brokenness in society, which is caused by the indoctrination. Folk don't think about that or, or figure it out. See, emotion's awfully good at putting logic and facts out of your head. That's why they give you emotive topics. These are well understood in psychological warfare, all these techniques. But Paul Craig Roberts, as I say, has got a good article on on some of it. He talks about some movies. He starts off this article about a conversation on race, he calls it. An old movie called The Unconquered, starring Gary Cooper. And these were about white slavery into Americas. And he gives you some data about them, but uh, then he goes on to talk about it. And he says, we often hear that we need a conversation on race, considering that Americans are a brainwashed people living in a false history. And, and most countries are, by the way. Uh, this, even newer countries today give an even more false history to their own people because it's, they're under a different kind of um, mode at the moment. So such a conversation would resemble the one the Russians were expected to have with the British in regard to the Skirpal poisoning, such as, yes, we are guilty, we will pay reparations. Where would you like us to send Putin for trial? In other words, the only acceptable race conversation in the U.S. is one in which white people accept the accusation that they are racist and offer to make amends. Considering that the only slavery experienced by any living black or white person, he's talking about any living black or white person, is income tax slavery. And folk never question it today, because they're all <laughs> getting thrown off into different tangents. Huh? Race is an issue only because it's been orchestrated as an issue, along with gender and sexual preference. These divisive issues are the products of identity politics spawned by cultural Marxism, and that's correct. In real Marxism, conflict is class conflict. That's original Marxism. Workers and capitalists have different interests, and history is a struggle between material interests. The capitalist is the villain, and the workers are the victims. In Marxism. In the pseudo-Marxism of identity politics, the white race is the villain, especially the white heterosexual male, and racial minorities, women and homosexuals, are the victims. 
There is, of course, no such thing as a white or black race. There are many different nationalities of whites, and they have done a good job throughout history of killing each other. Similarly, there are many different blacks and and tribes of, of black and Asian ethnicities who also have fought more among themselves than with others. But all this goes by the wayside, along with the fact that in the world, the racial minorities are actually majorities. Think about it. This is, you, see, you understand how your minds have all been bent? Racial minorities of the world are actually majorities, and the white majority is actually a minority. There are more Chinese. You're talking about global, see? There are more Chinese or Indians in India alone than there, there are white people. So in either country, China or in India, either one, they've got more people than the white folk in the world. But orchestrated histories are not fact-based. And think about that, orchestrated histories are not fact-based. Everything today is agenda-driven. The working class designated by Hillary Clinton as the Trump deplorables is now the victimizer, not the victim. Marxism has been stood on its head. The American ruling class loves identity politics because identity politics divides the people into hostile groups and prevents any resistance to the ruling elite. With blacks screaming at whites and women screaming at men and homosexuals screaming at heterosexuals, there is no one left to scream at the rulers. The ruling elite favors a conversation on race because the ruling elite know it can only result in accusations that will further divide society. Divide and conquer. Consequently, the ruling uh, elites have funded black history, women's studies, transgender dialogues, and universities as a way to institutionalize the divisiveness that protects them. These studies have replaced real history with fake history. For example, it was once universally known that black slavery originated in slave wars between black African tribes. Slaves were a, a status symbol, but they accumulated beyond the capacity of tribes to sustain them. The surplus was exported first to, uh, to Arab nations and then to English, Spanish and French. There's actually another one in there at the time too. They used a lot of them into, brought them into Latin America. This is an, and French who founded colonies in the New World and had resources but no workforce. The socialist scholar Carl Polanyi, now this is um, Paul Craig Roberts talking here. The socialist scholar Carl Polanyi, brother of my Oxford professor Michael Polanyi, told the story of the origin of the African slave trade in his famous book called Dahomey and the Slave Trade. That was a, 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 actually, it's almost an empire, Dahomey. It was just a place in Africa. The first slaves in the New World were white. When real history was taught, this was widely understood. And it's true. France made movies too, very old, old movies. Britain made very old movies about it, about Valdemar's land and... and, uh, how they sent off their convicts and, and by the way, they made so many laws that They could just simply have quotas And, and, and uh, the, the people who were the, the precursors of the police At that time, paid by the Crown Would just simply go out and round folk up And charge them with anything they wanted to uh, To get the quotas up And they'd ship them off as slaves to abroad For those who don't know it Since when real history was taught This was widely understood Movies were even made that showed uh, That in King George III's England the alternative to criminal punishment was to be sold as a slave in the colonies. And it gives you links there too. Among the first New World lands to be exploited by the Europeans were the Caribbean islands. 
which were suitable for sugar and rice production. The problem was that the white slaves died like flies from malaria and yellow fever. The Spanish lack of success with a workforce of natives of the lands they conquered led those in search of a workforce to the slave export business of the black kingdom of Dahomey. And it was a kingdom. It says the demand for black workers rose considerably when it was discovered that many had immunity to malaria and resistance to yellow fever. This meant that a plantation's investment in a workforce was not wiped out by disease. The resistance of blacks to malaria was due to the, to the protective feature of the sickle cell trait. You've heard of sickle cell anemia. This is a, it's a trait, too, that apparently only blacks have. So it gives them a, a certain amount of immunity towards it. Slavery existed in the New World long before the U.S. came into existence. And that's true as well. I remember that there's an awfully good book about the history of New York area. And how even a fleet came up from, I think it was, uh, of ships came up, of people who were kind of fleeing us in a sense in Brazil and Argentina. But uh, at first they were denied access to New York Harbor, but eventually they got it because they had a, they had a, they could pay off the, the the politicians in Holland at that time that that uh, that ran the 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 bases at that time and, and what became America later on. It was Dutch. But it was fascinating to read, and they, they actually had lots of slaves too. They'd already used them in Latin America, so they ended up bringing them in and, and brought them into uh, parts of the southern U.S. But again, most people don't read these things anymore, because, you know, even though they were awfully well documented at the time. But anyway, they talk about uh, how it existed, they say the slavery existed in the U.S. Uh, before it came into existence. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson are today written off by identity of politics as racist simply because they were born when slavery was a pre-existing institution. Slavery had existed for many centuries prior to the Confederacy. Remember, too, that the term redneck comes from the, the burning of the neck of white folk. It's just it's too poor in fields. That's where it comes from. And there are certain folk who still hate uh, the white folk for that and call them rednecks and... And really play it up too for some certain reasons. And first they were called red shanks because at that time the breeches only went down to the knee, and the backs of their legs would often get burned. Then later on it'd be their their necks, you see, white slaves. And there's good books out there too. They were white and they were slaves, and there's other books out there too to explain it all. But again, facts don't matter today, do they? Because there's so much that your world and these are world rulers that they're running the whole planet right now. And have everybody turned against everybody else. Awfully well managed, isn't it? This is slavery is for many centuries, etc. This is in some accounts today one comes away with the impression that the South invented slavery. As the tale sometimes goes, the Southern races so hated blacks that they went to Africa to capture blacks at great expense, only to return them to the South, where they were whipped and abused uh, their investments to the point of death and demoralized their work, forced by breaking up black families, selling children in one direction and wives and husbands in the other. This tale is not told as an occasional abuse, but as a general practice. Economically, of course, it makes no sense whatsoever. But facts are no longer part of American history. Northern states held slaves as well. However, the predominance of slaves were in the South. This was not because of Southern, Southerners hated blacks. It was because the land in the South supported large agricultural cultivation, and there was no other workforce and the South, like the United States, inherited slavery from the workforce the European colonists purchased from the Black Kingdom of Dahomey. I remember reading too uh, on the air at the time 
uh, from an article of a journal that was found in London, and it was the Rothschilds <laughs> to do with their business enterprises back in the 18th century, I think it was. But they, they actually had, uh, maybe, in the, maybe in the 19th century, but they actually had, it was about a slave ship that come, they were actually used in London at the time to transport them over to America. And we don't want to say that the, the family now had played so much towards different charities not to make up for the wrongdoing in the past. You know. But you, don't forget, lots of folk and peoples were involved in this kind of uh, terrible thing. And it is awful, isn't it? It's, it's really awful that even in your own countries, the psychopathic types will always dominate everybody else who's decent. Always. And use and abuse you because they have no conscience. They don't sit back and worry about, oh, I shouldn't have done that to so-and-so. They don't, they don't have that. It doesn't happen to them. And I often think that's what's wrong with the world, to be honest with you. And that will never change as long as humans are still humans. It's, it's, it's rather awful, but that's really the way it is. And it says, why wasn't there an alternative workforce to slaves? The reason is that uh, new immigrants, by moving west, could take land from the Native Americans and be independent as opposed to being wage earners working on someone else's land. He goes on to the a different thing to do with uh, Northerners and Southerners. It says it, it was Lincoln's, uh, Lincoln's Northern War criminals called Sherman and Sheridan who were sent to exterminate the Plains Indians. Ask the American natives, or what's left of them, who the racists are, the northerners or the southerners. Think about that too. And you're going to ask at the same time, when he's showing you reality here, as opposed to Hollywood myth, why are you being given the same stuff over and over again from the so-called cultural uh, managers of the, of, the, of the nation and the world, perhaps? It says, black studies have even corrupted other aspects of history. Consider the so-called civil war. The name itself is orchestration. People, see, people hear these terms, and again, doctor, but they don't question what it means. Words are awfully important because they shape how you're going to view things down the line. They will. Black studies have even corrupted other aspects of history. Consider the so-called civil war. What is a civil war? Think about it. So it says, there was no civil war, there was a war of northern aggression. A civil war is when two sides fight for control of the government. That's what civil war is. The South had left the Union, which it had the right to do under the, the, the Federation Agreement that it had initially. I've got the old articles here by some of the orators at the time that gave the speeches. And uh, you'll find that, uh, yeah, they, they go right through it all, that, that they had the, the right to withdraw if they felt that they were being abused or the federal side had, was not keeping up to the side of the bargain. And they had the right to do so. So the South had left the Union, had no interest whatsoever in controlling the government in Washington. The only reason the South fought was that the South was, uh, was invaded by the North. And why the North invade the South, as it was once understood by every historian and every student, Abraham Lincoln invaded the South in order, in Lincoln's own words, expressed time and time again, to preserve the Union. That's also what Karl Marx did when he, when he, he actually telegraphed and, uh, at the end of the war, and he, and he congratulated Lincoln for centralizing government, which, is, of course, was a plank of the Communist Manifesto, 
says, why did the South leave the Union? Because it was being economically exploited by the North, which once the North gained the ability to outvote the Southern states, imposed tariffs, the whole thing, taxes again, that benefited the North at the expense of the South. The North needed protection from British manufacturers in order for economic rise of the North. In contrast, the South's economy was based on cotton exports to England and on cheap manufacturers imported from England. Tariffs would bring the South a higher cost of manufactured goods in retaliation against their cotton exports. The economic interests of the North and the South did not coincide. But you understand that everything today is a, a, a complete fabrication of what happened in the past in order that so many factions are created to fight forever for their entire generation to come. <laughs> and, and the ones at the top will benefit from all in ways you'll never, ever, ever imagine. It's the character and generalship of Robert E. Lee, who is dismissed by identity politics as a white racist, is so highly admired by the U.S. Army that the barracks at West Point are named in Lee's honor. Not even America's first black president was able to change that. Black history also covers up the fact that Robert E. Lee was offered command of the Union Army. In those days, Americans still saw themselves as citizens of their state. That was true. Not as citizens of the United States. That was so important with the whole idea. You understand that you had all the different writings by those who, who, who were statesmen at the time about the Federation. Even had anti-Federalists at the time too. But the whole point was that, that you could only be responsible, living in your own area at a certain distance from where you were, and anything that was so far removed from you would always end up being a tyrant over you, like like a, 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 a centralized government somewhere far, far away. Same as, as the EU Parliament idea, where there's countries so far away from it that, that, that they're pretty well ignored. They're still taxed to death, but they're ignored. By, by a, a central government that's got nothing in common with the people in the outskirts, even. And all that stuff was known by... I think, actually, they were better educated by then, at least the folk who had educate, educations. And they knew all this stuff. You know, they really did. And, uh, and this article was on. It's quite a good article, actually. And uh, often he's wrong on certain other things, too. He doesn't seem to see the, the far left's agendas for controlling... And the far left is just the same bunch really at the top... It's the far right. At the very, very top, it's the same people, if you haven't figured that out. But they, they all are, are agreed in, in bringing down the population worldwide eventually and managing our, our lives minusculely in every single detail from birth to death. And def, they're definitely going to use this whole sustainability via an environment and, and uh, climate change, all the rest, of it, to save us all, supposedly, as they, as they kill us off. Reality is not pleasant. It really isn't. It really isn't pleasant. Do you understand that even in the military, most ranks in the military are given basic propaganda. Basic propaganda. Most folk who, who are going to the military are, again, the working class. That's the, that's the bulk of it. With the least education. And often from poor families. So they're given basic propaganda. Them bad, them bad, and they'll get some one one sentence thing why they're bad, 
and that's good enough. It's never elaborated upon. But those in the planning departments up there, like the neocons too, they all know this stuff. It's a different, it's a, it's a different dimension you're in there. Where they talk about Camly and how they plan it step by step to get everybody involved and every country involved in it. And literally, what the cost will be, not just financially, and the profits, by the way, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also the, the slaughter, the so-called collateral damage, they call it. What it'll be. Thousands or maybe millions of people. Quite calmly. And they can go home at night and sleep well. And they can't tell that to the troops. Because when you see things so cold-bloodedly, planned out in advance, including the lies of propaganda to be used. It might take a year, two years of propaganda to work up and to get the public ready for, for your war, to accept it. Then you couldn't have the troops all knowing the same thing, because then you see, here they go with this propaganda. And they wouldn't put their heart, wouldn't be into fighting. But the ones at the top are a different breed, a different breed altogether. And slaughter is the game. There are people right now up there who have got incredible records for slaughtering people, even in the, in the last few <laughs> episodes of it all in the U.S. You've got that psychopath Blair in Britain flapping his arms again. That was the first sign that, you, that your de- Britain was definitely going to go to war too, along with the U.S., when they pulled him back out. But, as I say, what I'm saying here is that it's the same characters who plan Generations of brainwashing Here's the brainwashing we must give this bunch In 20 years we must start them on This part of the brainwashing To get the next 50 years planning So this is how this worked out For those who don't, who don't Most folk don't know this They haven't a clue It's the same with when the war starts They're given some fake nonsense Like oh my god somebody The Gulf of Tonkin Oh somebody may have seen uh, torpedoes in the water Maybe not we don't know So, so the seas were so bad at the time that would do, you see. That was the, that was the, that was what they, they agreed upon would be okay for to start a war. They killed what million over a million Vietnamese, and multi thousands of young Americans, all planned. And you've seen the same thing too with Syria, because Syria's been on the list. I was looking through the old stuff from the nineties of the same countries involved again, uh, and, and uh, same headlines, same exact headlines, Syria and Iran, and uh, some a few other ones, mm, have to be taken out, same ones, exactly, by the same people. And we're all living in Groundhog Day, watching it all again, for those who remember it. But the public are not supposed to know that. They're supposed to think that Syria is a bad, it's the most evil empire, just like Saddam Hussein and was the, was a great Satan and uh, other and Gaddafi before him with when Reagan was in. All backed by the neocons. Read them up. It's, it's no secret. No conspiracy here. It's fascinating to me to to watch the the propaganda being put out there and understand too the general population. In our natural humanity, which are so well studied, we don't want to sit and dwell on nasty things all the time. We crack up. And they know that at the top. When they give you many other things at home to worry about at the same time, that diverts you off from thinking about the big things that are going to come down the pike. Nothing new in this. There's nothing new in the techniques. But the, the, the amount of it in this day and age is phenomenal. 
I think there's universities churn out thousands every year, people who are recruited by these people. And, and that is true. There are multi-level layers of, of, uh, of organizations that sound very American or very British, or, and they're actually private, often owned by another country. Anyway, I'll get back to this article here. It's a very good article here of, of how women's been d- uh, divided. And they're not taught real history anymore. They're taught simply to hate this group or that group. They're actually told who to hate at university, even before they get to university. When you see that, this, this is warfare you're, you're seeing here, that when you're taught to, be, to hate and, and children are getting taught to hate, you're, you're looking at real, real mandated, authorized psychological warfare which never ends up in a, in a good fashion, generally ends up with real war or people slaughtering each other. That's got to stop. Because it's coming from... You, you, you all know what's happening, don't you? You all know it. It's been taught and mandated. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's time people get off this victim pyramid here to get to the top and start to accept the fact that, you know, hey... I don't know anybody else of, of most countries that had a great life, that, that, that great. We didn't, we didn't get Disneyland where I came from. Anything but. Anything but. But anyway, uh, back to the article again. I'm getting distracted here. As I say, it's a good article to read to give you an idea, because he puts it in a nutshell, really, how the technique works. He's lived long enough to, to study all himself, too. And it's a good idea of psychological warfare as well. But we are going through an awful time where you see it all emerging again as you get ready to hit uh, the same list of countries that haven't been finished off yet from the first list back in the late 90s. And then uh, starting with uh, 9-11 and then they went to operation and they got their Pearl Harbor event. And uh, away they went. And they tried it again with uh, Syria again because they made this, this nonsense, oh, the big, big, Start of all will be chemical weapons because that's what that's what Obama agreed upon. So they'll keep getting the fake chemical weapons until the war starts. Obviously, that's why it was given. You see, it says Mad Dog Hibs Mattis also dropped Syria chemical weapons bombshell, and he says we have no evidence that it actually happened. I'll put that one up too. Another one too. Israel's wrapping it up too. They're ramping up the the whole propaganda against Iran as well, because they want them all to know. It says, Israel Defense Minister threatens Iran. The Iranian regime is in its final days. This is, this is war rhetoric, you're saying. And a lot of the world that knows what's going on is sitting biting its nails, because if Israel hits it first, they know darn well the U.S. is going to go in, you see. The U.S. will definitely go in. We're all along for the ride to pay for all, I suppose. And another one, if Iran hits Tel Aviv, will hit Tehran, Defense Minister tells the Saudi paper. So they're all really, it's all war talk, war talk, war talk, all the time. You're supposed to be terribly afraid of it all, too. I'll tell you another thing, too, in psychological warfare. They know this. It's just incredible. When I was reading about how much these studies, phenomenal. Even in World War I, we were being studied so intricately. Just even folk who were on starvation diets in the UK and so on. Julian Huxley mentions it in one of his writings. Because he was part of the control freak group, and he also was one of the founding members of Planned Parenthood of, for for killing off the you know the working class population or <laughs> superfluous. But he he did mention as well that it was quite fascinating. He thought that, for instance, suicides dropped off in time of warfare. I think Russell Bertrand Russell also mentioned the same kind of thing because they're fascinated by what affects us 
And anything that's different is a great time to study us, our behavior, like we're little test mice or, or rats or whatever. And that's what they found out too. When there's a cause, a national cause or a tribal cause, and it's really tribal, no matter what country you're in, even if you're a mixed tribe, it makes no difference you're a tribe uh, in an area, then uh, you all pull together through really nasty circumstances, even starvation at times too, and rationing. But there's a cause. And folk don't get so depressed and, and commit suicide. Isn't that interesting? Eh? According to them, anyway. But what I'm getting at is, is the fact that, that, every, that nothing out there that you see is, is the way what is portrayed to you to, that it actually is. I can remember in a, in a show in the, in the late 90s, I mentioned that it was up to one generation. One generation. In a very short window to spread the, the truth. And I knew as it came out, too, there'd be other ones that came up to, uh, pretending to be the, the greatest and well-financed um, opposition, you might say, of uh, regular media and so on, pretending to be for the people uh, that, would, that would see all the right things initially and then way off, back in, take you back into the loop and get run by the usual masters, you might say. So I, I said in the late 90s, there'd be a short window, a very short window, to put out the information. And the person asked me, well, what about the young? I said, well, yeah, some young might know, hopefully. Hopefully that there's some who have the ability. I've had over the years for, since then, people who've gone through university, who've taken information, they've, they've used it to get their degrees from my talks. Some of them have, have actually got great jobs, but working for, for all the, the tyrants on the planet, unfortunately. So you can't count on folk just understanding what it is. There are psychopaths out there too that will take the information and use it for their own benefit, naturally. And that's, that's how it works. But there's always some that will pass it on, hopefully. Even if it becomes very dangerous to even know it. And it is becoming dangerous to know different things today. Never mind public, because with the trained fanatics out there, they're ready to pounce on you just for opening your mouth and stuff. And that's how... how finely tuned to all this right now is it's going to be a knife edge to an extent. Lots of the authorities at the top have made sure this has been allowed and they've trained it this way, by design. So I said, it's up to those who know right now to try to make a change right now, if they're going to make a change at all, because they'll close it so quickly after a few years and they'll give you it's like mirror images that, co- that copy what you're saying. And if actually, they'll well, just take what you're saying, never mention you, <laughs> but then warp it round, and then before you know it, you're getting run by the same bunch that keeps bringing in the wars. Because nothing out there really is, is what it appears to be. We're in a very dangerous, very dangerous time. So as I say, anyway, Iran, uh, here's the stuff uh, about uh, Tel Aviv threatening to, to take it around. In the 90s too, right after 9-11, you also had the first strike, you know. And in other words, they would strike enemies before, before they'd ever think of striking you. If you suspect down the road they might strike you, then they took the first strike policy. The U.S. copied Israel at the time. In fact, it said in the papers back then. I've got the articles still here today. And that is the policy. In other words, if, if we suspect this, this group might down the road turn on us, let's just take them out now. However, what they don't say is, if we, if we plan to take out or even take this country or take their country off its people, then they'll get angry. So it's best we take them out now before we take their country over and blah, 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 and get them to, you see? It's all strategy, isn't it? 
all strategy. And there are people who, who will balance the whole world on a knife's edge to get what they want. Now, again, they've got a, a population in the world today, and a lot of them haven't known a terrible, terrible uh, hunger. They haven't known terrible poverty. We've been living in since about the late 80s, perhaps, in the Western world, where in an era where there's more credit cards dished out than ever before, and that's to help people get get over all the bumps that otherwise that have floored them all or put them on the street. And we adapt so quickly to what we think is, is not too bad a system, whereas just before it, it was, it was terrible for a lot of people in different countries. Absolutely terrible. But people do forget so quickly. They really, really do. And because of that, they've been taught and trained to look at the bright side of things, the good thing. Oh, don't, don't look at that. It's negative. I've given talks on the psycholo- psychological warfare, actually. They, they promote a lot of this stuff, positive thinking. Don't look at the, 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 the negative. Just look, look at good things. Don't, don't be concerned. Because that takes... Do you understand how many people could have understood what was going on if they hadn't fallen for all this indoctrination? The same goes for all this wellness idea. Where do you think all that came from? Mandated from the very top. Where they do surveys on wellness. Doesn't matter if you're poor. Or are you, how, how's your wellness? What, what is wellness? Hmm? Our masters want to understand if we're, if we're going to go along and just be happy. Even if you've you got nothing, as long as you feel good about it. They can give you drugs for that. They're actually talking about it too, by the way. Give you drugs and, and you feel great. Doesn't matter what condition you're living in or anything else. You have no idea how bad it really is. And most folks will say, well, shy off. I don't want to look at that. It's too negative. <laughs> it's, all, it's too negative. And that's other folk going to be slaughtered, not you, maybe. We don't know yet. And that's what they might just push us into is another big cold war and the threat of nuclear annihilation. There's money to be made in that big time for those at the top again. They never lose. See, it's not your system, it's theirs. And also, this one here, Washington is using currency war to destabilize Iran. It's on all the time. If the big boys ever take a, take a, a, a look at you, your, your little spot of land, whatever, they'll, they'll do the same thing against you. It is everybody's concern. It really is because of that. Another article, too, I mention here is the Bank for International Settlements, the one that's really running the planet at the moment on behalf of the World Bank, the private bank. These are all private banks set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council and Foreign Relations, that run the world. And they mentioned recently that, uh, it's a vague statement, but uh, top economists apparently understand it, but to do with the bail-ins, that they're still working on the idea of grabbing folks' savings for the next crash. And a whole bunch of other things as well. So I'll put that up too. And I want to make a little mention of the, the white African farmers. Because um, it's really bad. It's really, really bad what's happening right now uh, with uh, the threats on their lives. Some have been killed, of course, over the years. It goes on all the time. And I think the world should know that, that... that uh, you can't just sit back and allow things to just to happen like that. It's an old story. Who's going to come and help you when you're made a target for, for one or another groups to come and come for? Who's going to help you? Hmm? It's rather awful what's happening uh, and been uh, actually encouraged to happen 
for, I guess, other people to step in too, just like South Africa, other folks stepped in behind the scenes and helped it all to happen. And then they, then they grabbed a lot of the, the diamond and gold out of there too once they had a lot of folk move out, even Rhodesia as well. Nothing's ever as it seems. And e- even for those who end up doing the fighting, it's generally somebody else who benefits. So I'd like to put these, these articles up on, on, uh, on the Africans too, because it's really sad what's happening. Plus... This article on Facebook, it says um, that artificial intelligence software can predict your future behavior, and they sell this, the predictions on your behavior, to advertisers and others. You know it's going to go into think tanks in the military too as well, because they all use this stuff on you. Leaked documents reveal that the social network offers firms the ability to target users based on how they may think and act in the future, called loyalty prediction. This is some guesses where or not a user is about to stop using a product or service based on all of the data stored on their profile. By the way, I'll also guess if you're changing your opinions on things as well, too politically or any other way, hmm? and sell it off as well to the big, big agencies that run the world. It says it comes just weeks after the firm disclosed information about 50 million Facebook users wrongly ended up in the hands of a political consultancy, Cambridge Analytica. So I'll put that up there too. Also, the eugenics again, getting back to Julian Huxley and all the rest of them, because they're all involved in, in uh, how many of you there are. You know, you know the, the lower classes. <laughs> Goldman Sachs asked in a biotech research report, and news was coming, is curing patients a sustainable business model? Attempt to address a touchy subject for biotech companies, especially those involved in the pioneering of gene therapy treatment cures, and could be bad for business in the long run. Because it's, big, it's a highly profitable treatment disease until you die. Rather than curing it, right? Is curing patients a sustainable business model? The potential to deliver one-shot cures is one of the most attractive aspects of gene therapy generally engineered cell therapy and gene editing. However, such treatments offer a very different outlook with regard to recurring revenue versus chronic therapies. Analyst Salavine Richter wrote in the, in the note to clients Tuesday. They're doing that anyway in hospitals anyway. They take your age and everything else and you put on a different category of priority according to how old you are and what your status is in life and the community and all the rest of it and in society. Big, big difference it makes. Awfully big difference, depending on who you are. <laughs> but we're not a class-based society, are we? And we're not prejudiced against old folk, are we? Really? Huh? Oh, yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Remember, the United Nations said a good global citizen is a producer and consumer. And, of course, if you're retired, you're now a consumer. Here's one or Article here in South Africa Are attacks on white farmers really racially motivated? Here are the facts Yes, there's a problem with farm attacks and murders in South Africa There's also a problem with violence and murder in the country as a whole And it's true enough, there's masses of (laughs) fucking slaughtered Pretty normally there in a sense But um, it's it's getting it's getting worse The types of attacks on the whites are horrific And they torture them too before they kill them a lot of them there's an elderly woman who was a bunch attacked her, her farm and, and into the home and used electric drills in her, her knees and different parts of her body and stuff into torture. It's, it's death. When you see that, that's hatred. That's what that's behind that. And uh, it's not good at all. 
what's really happening. Another article that says genocide and communism threaten South Africa. People, you know, people, I don't care what country you're in, folk follow these massive groups and these isms that are given to them by people who are outside of it all, who will benefit from it all. But they cause hell across the planet when they do this kind of stuff. Is the killing of white farmers in South Africa a genocide is a big question. Of course it is, because that's the, the, the statements by, by some of the leaders there are actually uh, advocating it. It's not good at all. It's amazing how the world can keep quiet on it. It doesn't matter what you've been taught to think or believe about th- things too. The fact is, if you don't stand up for people who are going through hell anywhere across the planet, then why should anybody stand up for, for you if it happens to any area to you? Understand? This is how life really is. If you don't stand up for what is right, I don't care who's getting harmed and who's doing the harming. The fact is, you've got to stop it. I often find tie-ins between the same peoples across the planet doing things or, or advocating or funding it. The world is never static and peace is never there. When a period is passing by with not much news, believe you me, the hell is still going on somewhere. I'll put these articles up for you too, for those who care enough to read them. Because it's not good what's getting built up there too. And uh, I've seen this before, uh, many, many years ago, the same kind of thing. And the big, big forces backing this and financing it too, believe you me. Hmm. There's one article too about the, the van driver who ran down people in Toronto on the sidewalk, deliberately too. And how the government's just jumping around trying to camouflage a lot of it because the last thing they want is terrorism to be mentioned again. And and we're going to get it regardless. I don't care who's doing it or why they're doing it. But that's one little article. And uh, we're told really to get used to this kind of stuff across the world as as goes on. As folk do bizarre things. It kind of makes you wonder if they're going to ban driving altogether because they'd love to, wouldn't they? It would tie in with their, their, their driverless cars as well that won't follow the instructions to run folk down, maybe. Or on the other hand, too, maybe someone can hack them and actually make it happen. Anything's possible with technology today. But as I say, remember, nothing is the way it's presented to you. And you do have to question everything. Everything, every darn thing, you've got to question it. Even what you're taught is, is the truth about history and your, your own countries. I don't care what country you're in or, or have been in or whatever. You've got, to, you've got to question all of it. All of it. It's like Scotland. Scotland had a long, long history. Long history. It was used as a battering ram from the middle of the 1700s onwards for England, for fighting across the planet, for people who didn't even know. The kind of shock troops, you might say. And even though, see, the Highlanders, for instance, were being exterminated from 1746 onwards as a policy, and their whole families, by the way, men, women, children. Mm-hmm. That's all being quietly put underground with the people. But uh, who was, ever was left to survive, they could join the military and go off and fight across the world. A lot of them, too, were brought into the Americas. There's even histories of uh, regiments left. They wouldn't bring them back home. They wanted them to stay there. They went back home maybe because of a problem. That's you see. So see how you kill many, many birds with one stone, bring them across, do the fighting for the next part of the British Empire, leave them where they are, don't bring them home, so they won't cause problems when they go back. And just by being there in the new place, they'll uh, may marry and or send for a, a woman or a wife or something. And uh, there you go. 
And don't forget, too, it ties right back to your tumble white slavery. Well, Benjamin Franklin bought his first wife off the boat from Britain. Indentured servitude, they called it. You're just a slave. You're bought and sold. Same with a lot of people in, in Australia. <laughs> and other places too. French were at it as well. Don't think that any particular people have a monopoly on suffering. We've all had it. All of us have had it down the road. And as I say, I mean, you, you look at the mess of the UK after World War Two. Decimated by from World War One, <laughs> never got out of that with with the, with the money owed. Now next week, because uh, I haven't had time this week, but next week I'm going to give uh, another talk on how your tax money is being used now by your government to pay off a whole bunch of new organisations. Not so much you, but different layers of of ones that are already existing to do with sustainability, to manage every town and city across your country and your life completely. Uh, big money up for grabs for all these for these entrepreneur types, you know, the kind who will take all your tax money to start their own, uh, what would you call them? They're like a, it's like the Politburo's idea of, of layers of, of civilians managing all the rest of the people. That's really what it is. And they'll, they'll get paid awfully well from the loot they're taking from the taxpayer. That's reality. That is the reality you live in. And they know everybody's data today because folk give it them up all the time, all their data, private data. As I mentioned with Facebook there, just one last thing. Facebook isn't just taking all your data and selling it. They'll say they'll take the data on your Facebook account. And all your friends link to it. It gives them permission to get to all the stuff they'll use for, on them too. So if you're using Facebook, you're endangering other people you know. I hope you should, you should actually tell people that. You know that? You should tell people that if you're putting anything to do with them or what they tell you on their Facebook, that, then you're no friend of them at all. You really are not. You're really, really not if you can't value the privacy of each other. Remember that. Well, from, again, global warming and six inches of more snow, I'm Alan Watchman to your Canada, and it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.